Welcome, my lords, to the White City, where you will learn more about Middle-earth and discover differences and similarities between the Rings of Power show and Tolkien's books, and whether Amazon's show, episode by episode, is worth watching. I'm Philip Dutt, your host, and I'll be joined by Matt Vandevoort and Mark Schaefer. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, we're going to be talking about something a little different than usual. So, we've talked a lot about how themes are timeless in the Middle Earth story and how that makes them popular. But like, is there anything about the show that might make it less popular? Uh, so, for instance, we have um, the Rings of Power show, which you know didn't do great. Uh, was that because they saw themes in, you know, Middle Earth and from Tolkien that they didn't want to include and stick as close to the storyline? Um, or is that, or is that more of, um, let's say, like lore? Maybe the deep lore is something that isn't as interesting to people. Um, so, AI, yeah, um, go ahead. I'm going to go in two directions on this. The first direction was basically that second point you made is that, like, the stuff is really dense and deep, and it's good if you're really into it, but it's also kind of niche. So, like, I have no problem spending hours, you know, reading wikis and articles and appendices and books and things like that to get into the most obscure and weird stuff that Tolkien wrote. But for your average fan... Some of that stuff, it's just gonna be like, this is boring. I just want to see Fredo drop some jewelry in the mountain. Like, um, you're not, you're not gonna capture as wide an audience by going into the more, uh, the minutia and the the more specific things. Which is why it's a little bit odd to me that they spent more money on this show than anything else because, like, it does seem like such a niche concept. Um. The other aspect is that I am wondering if the the tastes of the um, the tastes of the general public are starting to shift again, specifically when it comes to heroes. So I think with things like Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, and uh, you see this in like certain like superhero movies even. Where, like, there aren't really any true heroes because it's seen as being, like, unrealistic. Um, and so you don't get these, like, Paragon characters. And so they stray a little bit from the story by making Galadriel be this, like, kind of edgy, kind of no-nonsense, not quite anti-hero, but, like, she's not really portrayed as, like, oh, this great Paragon of virtue that can go and do this stuff. And I think they're a little behind the times on this because I think with the oversaturation of things like Game of Thrones, shows like Game of Thrones, and even to some extent things like The Witcher, where it's like the protagonist, the protagonist, the main characters, they don't let them be the good guys fully. Um, and so, and I think, you know, you see this backfire in Game of Thrones because by the end of the show, it's like, well, there are no likable characters left and they're just trying to subvert expectations. 
And so I think that to some extent, a lot of the distaste is that it's not so much that they went off in their own direction. It's that they went off in their own direction in a way that they thought would be popular and probably would have been more well received like 10 years ago when these sorts of star stories were on the rise. And they're, I think to save the show, they need to basically lean into the, the high fantasy, epic fantasy, like the good guys are good and the bad guys are bad and it's a clash of good and evil rather than like, oh, everybody's shades of gray because like, yeah, in real life, in a lot of cases, there are shades of gray, but it's not real life, it's fantasy and the point of the story is to give us those heroes that we can look up to rather than, you know, trying to subvert our expectations or pull the rug out from underneath us or something like that. In Tolkien's work especially, Tolkien says a lot of very interesting things and profound things about good and evil itself because he personifies them in characters like Galadriel or Sauron. And so that is, like, really easy. I think you're right that they sort of did make this, like, a very much a, a Shades of Grey characters um, where Sauron is, like, struggling whether he's evil or Galadriel isn't sure whether she's good. She wants, like, massacre all the orcs and stuff. But, yeah, I think also there was something that I was, like, thinking about the other day. I was, like, what all in Rings of Power show the first season do they cover that, like, what, it, like, how much of, like, Tolkien's lore do they cover? And the surprising thing, I think it's, like, not a lot. Like, Tolkien talks a little bit about the making of the Rings of Power. He talks a little bit about, like, the dwarves mining and stuff, and maybe a little bit about Numenor. But, like, in terms of actual events and not just, like, scenes or places, it's actually very little. There are a few events. Like, Tolkien never writes about, like, how Mordor started or about characters in the Southlands. This whole, like, plotline with the Mithril and, like, Khazad-dûm is also not something Tolkien talks about. Um, so, like, sort of these things are, like, sort of interesting. Like, if the show is, like, trying to, like, oh, you know, like, this lore is, like, not so much, like, for modern times or whatever. Like, they didn't really adapt a whole lot of the lore. Um, and maybe they're setting up future events or something. But, like, I still think that, like, yeah, the show, the show, like, if it made any mistakes, it made it because it was its own show and not because it was trying to adapt themes that are outdated from Tolkien's work. I think also, just to make a note on that, and you might be thinking about this, but we've brought it up before, um, is how like the only thing they can go off of is the appendices, I guess. So yeah, I I I, I can't really even remember enough of it or whatnot to even say like, oh, this is something they could or couldn't put in. But yeah, yeah I was gonna say too that like. I think a lot of their blunders were in the, the parts they had to fill in um, for the most part because, like you said, there's really not a lot that they could, like, if they wanted, they could have done the entire story in one season if they just were adapting what Tolkien wrote. But if I'm being completely honest, that wouldn't have been very interesting to watch. It would have basically been a documentary, which, like, I'm down for documentaries, but, like, from the perspective of Amazon, that's not going to make them back their money. <laughs> so, um, and I will say, sort of a, a side note to what I was saying earlier, it's not that Tolkien doesn't have characters that are, you know, gray morality or anti-heroes or things like that. Like, you look at Torin, um, you look at um, even the portrayal of Arpharazon, Arpharazon, where, like, he's definitely evil, <laughs> But, like, he's also looked back on as, like, the greatest king of Numenor. Um, and, like, you look at Fanor, 
He's like, as I've described him before, the best elf and the worst elf, where it's like, he does all these terrible things, but he also does all these great things and wonderful things that it's not a, oh, the bad things detract from the good things. It's like, yeah, we're accepting that this guy is good and terrible. And I think that that sort of gray, complex characterization is a lot different from the way that, um, the modern complex or gray characters where it's like, because like most of the times when you have a character that's like kind of a gray morality kind of character, it kind of ends up just being the bad person. Like <laughs> their bad deeds tend to override their good deeds. And that's how they're viewed. Whereas with Tolkien's characters that were sort of middle of the like gray morality kind of characters, they were definitely portrayed as, like, almost, like, the good things they did and the bad things they did were on different scales. And so it's, like, you could be, hypothetically, like, you could be 100% on the bad scale while also being 100% on the good scale because, like, Fanor, again, Fanor burned all the Teleri ships and did all these horrible things, but also he created the, like, most pure and good objects in the universe... So, having that, I think that's another thing where if they wanted to go and create the, the story, these stories, in a way that fit with Tolkien's themes, that's how they would portray their gray, quote-unquote, gray characters. While also having these paragon of good and, for lack of a better term, paragon of evil characters, where it's like, uh, yeah, some of these characters are all good, some of these characters are all bad, and some of these characters do good and bad things in equal measure. And I think that just the, because of the way modern storytelling treats gray morality characters, they're treating them more in the modern way rather than in the Tolkienian way. I've talked a little about this on the show a lot, but I think it's the most interesting change that the Rings of Power made, the one you were talking about, Matt. But I think if you, like, say you take a look at, like, the Lord of the Rings story itself, not the Silmarillion for the time being, but, like, you have Sauron on one side who's, like, totally evil. Like, he literally loves just being cruel, torturing, wants to conquer the world. And the other side, you have these characters like Galadriel, Elrond, and Gandalf, who are, like, the totally good characters. And then you have these, like, characters who are, like, sort of in the middle. You have, like, characters like Baromir, the Hobbits, Aragorn, who are sort of like, hey, we're on the good side, but they are very easily tempted by evil, and they have this clear choice laid out before them, whether to accept or reject their, like, their fate or, like, the good side, or to ally themselves with the bad side. And you do, you think you have, like, you have characters like Denethor or, like, Saruman, but if you really notice, like, these characters are always corrupted by something. So, like, Saruman and Denethor are both corrupted by the Palantir, which is, like, Sauron, right? You think of, like, Theoden, who is in turn corrupted for a time by Saruman. Um, and the Hobbits are always corrupted by, like, the Ring or something, right? Like, or Gollum is corrupted by the Ring. But there's always, like, this really clear of, like, hey, this is, like, the source of where evil is in people. And it's, like, genuinely, like, this evil force that is working on the inside. Or it's, like, this external force is Sauron. I think what the Rings of Power has done is, like, it took, like, the characters in the Lord of the Rings that are, like, the paragons of, like, say, evil Sauron and made him, like, ah, he's sort of gray, right? He's, like, just wants to be, a, like, a guy in Numenor and just wants to be a humble person working in a forge. And it took, like, the characters like Ladriel, Elrond, and Gandalf, and, you know, 
I assume the stranger is Gandalf, but it's like, am I good? Galadriel is going around like, I'm going to murder all the orcs and I'm going to kill them right yeah. in front of you, or like right to Adar. And then Elrond is sort of like, not like evil, but playing these like political mind games. And it was sort of like, hey, these characters that were like quite literally Tolkien's personifications of good and evil, you've made like into the great characters. And like, we could have seen something totally different. We could have seen like the men characters as being the ones who, you know, are being caught and twisted, like, or, or, or between the forces that are around them. And still yeah. have these like shining paragons. It's just that these like paragons in the Lord of the Rings, like Gladriel and Elrond, were never meant to be main characters in a story, right? Like they were meant yeah. to be like the characters that the 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 main characters encounter, and that changed them as a people, and not to be like the main characters of their own story. And so I think it's like real like they're clearly they have to adapt these characters, but I just think that this is like the biggest change they made in Tolkien's work, and I don't know yeah. if I really like it very much. Um, and you could have had like new characters right could have had like the the men of the the nine nazgul who like before right they're becoming tempted maybe there's other people in the show who are rejecting evil but yeah you could have done it very differently than they did yeah um but yeah I'm... one thing i think is just what you said there a minute ago is about um like elrond and galadriel being the main characters i think that's a big a big part to like why like i th i think for instance that like elendil could have been a great main character yeah yeah um yeah because i think there's i don't know just like so many things that like like him and his family have like a role to play that uh that uh you know yeah. or a silder right started off um i mean a silder i feel like is the quintessential gray character right for this story because he he comes in and he founds arnor yeah um and he's like this great king of men, but he also doesn't destroy the ring and is tempted by the ring. So, like, yeah, having a silver be a gray character is a great call because she is a gray character in Tolkien's work. But then, yeah, going back and having, like, and especially since it's not a Silmarillion show, like, I think you can get away with the elves being gray characters in the Silmarillion because... The Silmarillion is basically how the elves came in and ruined everything, um, but I I think that yeah, for this kind of show, focusing on the men and even to some extent the dwarves, because the dwarves always have that kind of atmosphere and aura of like yeah, they're good at heart, but they always sort of do something that messes messes up like digging too deep and uh greed yeah greed so like focusing on the men and to some extent the dwarves in the like basically having the men with Galadriel's story and the dwarves with Elrond's story be the ones that are you know flawed would have been a better call than having Galadriel be this angsty elvish equivalent of a teenager sort of thing <laughs> well, I think what you said is like absolutely true that a lot of stories are writing very great characters because it's like meant to reflect our world um, in some sense, right? Like people, you know, we hear a lot of statements today, like uh, everybody's the main character in their own story or something like that, right? Like nobody ever thinks they're the bad guy. And so it's sort yeah. of hard for us like portray characters like Sauron, right? Who's like literally like, I'm going to conquer the world and I dress in ball and ball, right? Like and, um, and stuff like that. But I think it's also like Tolkien didn't mean like, the whole point of fantasy is to not write something that's like a real story, right? That like we can sort of have like 
a fun adventure where the lines are clear and we don't have to like wonder who's the good guy or who's the bad guy yeah. in this case and bring our like moral compasses like to bear and have to like figure out oh who am i rooting for i think that's like part yeah. of the fun of fantasy and i will say like what we've said about galadriel like if there was one thing that like even the people who like the show that i talked to like if there was one complaint they had, it was like the portrayal of Galadriel and yeah. that she wasn't relatable in a lot of ways or that like it didn't follow Tolkien's work and yeah. how she's portrayed in, say, the movies. So To, to bring in an example from completely out of left field, um, and I have not seen this movie. I've seen a lot of clips from this movie that's made me want to watch it, but um, John Mulaney's character in Puss in Boots 3, um, Big Jack Horner, he has gotten a lot of focus because he is really the first villain we've gotten in a while that just realizes he's a villain and just revels in it. And is like, yeah, I'm a terrible person, and I really enjoy the fact that I'm a terrible person. And I think that the reason he's been so refreshing is because we've gotten such a slew of villains recently that have been like, oh, well, you, nobody understands me, and I, I have these motivations for doing it. And his entire premise is that he's poking fun of all those, and it's just like, no, he's just a terrible person. And I think that a lot of people really enjoyed that, because they could finally have a villain where it's like, I don't have to feel bad for rooting against this character, because this character is clearly having fun with this. And I, I think that's the way they should have gone with Sauron, is where it's just like, Oh, and I, I kind of hope, I kind of think there's a, a, um, a chance they can still do that if in later seasons they kind of reveal that his whole sort of personality in the show so far has been a complete ruse, and like just him trying to manipulate Galadriel, where it's just like no, he's he's evil to the core and he loves it, um. Because I think that people want that kind of storytelling again. I think they want the bad guys to be just bad guys. And I, I think that it'll take a few years for Hollywood to be like, oh, wait a minute, people want this. Yeah, it's funny because everybody I know has been talking about Puss in Boots, like the latest movie. And I'm like, okay, like this movie, I have to go see it now, I guess. But Yeah, I know. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's interesting, though. At least, like, I think different, like, genres, like, we want different things out of our stories, right? Like, maybe if it's, like, a real-world drama, but, like, this is a fantasy story. Like, we can have yeah. evil characters. And I think, just really quick, bounce back to the Silmarillion, where, like, you're like, oh, like, Feanor is just, like, like, even Feanor was, like, clearly corrupted by Morgoth, right? Like, it was Morgoth working on him. Oh, yeah. And, like, even if you think of, like, Turgon, like, Morgoth cursed Tyrion, so many lines, or Turin, sorry. Like, yeah. Morgoth cursed his family. Like, there's always, like, this, like, source of the evil is, like, Morgoth. And, like, he yeah. works through other people. And, like, his power, like, affects greater things. But, like, it's always, like, really clear that, like, hey, these characters are corruptible. But, like, we know that, like, where the evil is in this story, right? We know yeah. where the bad guy is. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, just, like, bounce back to the, the main thing. It's, like, this is, like, one of Tolkien's hallmarks, and I think it actually would be very popular in a show these days, um, and it's not one of the reasons why the show the show should have adapted more of that work rather than, like, it's not the reason it... it would. I think it wouldn't have failed just because it did that. Um, yeah. yeah. Thanks for visiting the White City. 
before you leave, please subscribe to our podcast and check us out at thewhitecitypodcast.com. Consider supporting my movement on Facebook, keeping the rings of power pure.